Colorado Springs is a vibrant community full of amazing people. From business and entrepreneurship to arts and culture, it's truly the people of Colorado Springs that make this community so valuable. These are their stories. This is the Thrive for the Cause podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. John Stenberg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, I'm excited to have Rodney Gallette with me this morning. We're uh, we just had a great conversation before we started recording, just about some of uh, his experience in business and involvement in the community and some values uh, related to leadership and all kinds of different topics. So I wanted to hit record and start to get some of this on the podcast for you guys because there's a lot of uh, good stuff that's coming up. But first, before we get into some of the you know some of the details about that, Rodney, if you would please just introduce your name. Uh, your business, how long you've been in Colorado Springs, and uh, I guess what your mission is with your business. Oh, thank you, Dr. John. It's a pleasure being here today. Hello, world. Uh, my name is Rodney Gallette. I am a certified ethical hacker, certified chief information security officer, and owner of Firma IT Solutions. We're a managed IT and cybersecurity service provider here in Colorado Springs and in Key West, Florida, and all the areas in between. Um, I've been in Colorado Springs for four years um, here because of the military. Uh, my wife is active duty Air Force, 19 years. Um, she retires next September, so she got orders here, and we came here from Key West, Florida. So it's quite a difference from Key West to here. It's a little bit bigger community than a three-by-five island. Um, but uh, a lot of the same fundamentals apply uh, in regards to how to be successful in a community and how to engage with people. Um, so the same stuff I learned in Key West, I brought it here, and since the area is larger, the impact has been multiplied exponentially. Uh, so I've had a good time here, and it's great to be on your show this morning. Would you, I, I don't want to glance over what you said, some of the fundamentals of engagement and success within the community. Do you have a few off the top of your head that you can think of that you think would be important to highlight? Hashtag givers gain, um, also known as the law of reciprocity. Um, you know, people don't care about what you know until they know how much you care. Uh, people will only do business with you, uh, typically, at least the clients that you want, if they know, like, and trust you. Um, while I am in the business of cybersecurity, um, trust is a big part of my business. People are trusting their companies to my company to defend them against cyber attacks. So I have to be worthy and well-qualified and likable <laughs> to gain their trust to do this. Um, they have to believe that I am, um, that my company has the abilities to, to protect them from all these evolving threats out here. Um, but back to the law of reciprocity, you find out if you want to be successful in the business, you have to give to your community first. And you have to give without the expectation of receiving. Just trust the process. Just give. Have meetings with people. Go to coffee. Go to lunch. Have steak. If you beef or whatever. Or, you know, go to a business after hours and you know, don't shove your card in people's faces. Give your card to somebody when they ask you for your card. Um, ask them for their card. It's better to be interested than interesting. So the more you get people to talk, um, you know, I'm, I'm a professional hacker. So, you know, in, gaining intel is something that's very important to my profession. So I found out that if I let people talk long enough, they will tell me everything I want to know if I just let them talk. Um, so I, I, I enjoy doing that. And then asking questions to get them to talk more about themselves because people feel good when they talk about themselves. So if people walk away from an experience with you feeling better than they did when they before they met you, you've already scored. Um, as you're building your sphere of influence in a community, um, find out how you can use those connections to be a linchpin for others. Be that person in the middle that's connecting other people. Then you become a connector. You become the hub to a wheel spoke. So law of reciprocity is, is important. Just bring value. Wake up in the morning and think about how you can bring value to somebody else. Maybe it might not be business, but maybe you have access to a television network. Or maybe you're friends with, you know, the you know, the Colorado Springs Business Journal. Or, you know, maybe you're, um, you know, you're connected to a nonprofit or some other large organization that may change somebody's life if you're able to get them involved. So maybe you can get a young professional in the paper. If you did that for them, like, man, how, how thankful will they be to you? I mean, these folks will feel almost obligated to do something for you. 
So, you know, I challenge everybody within the sound of my voice to focus on sowing seeds. Just focus on sowing seeds. Uh, I've been here four years in the springs, and I think I'm at the point now where all I do is sow seeds. I don't even harvest my own stuff. Other people harvest my stuff and bring it to me now. <laughs> so they call me on the phone be like, Rodney, thank you for doing this here. Um, I appreciate you getting me involved in this here. And, you know, I the, the joy I have is, is doing things for others that they probably wouldn't have been able to do unless I helped them do it. So that, that brings me a great sense of joy. And that is that is my why. That's powerful. And I think that's what everybody's after. You know, you, you can't reverse engineer that, which would be. I want to achieve that, so I'm going to act in a way that is going to move me toward that. Like you were saying, that's that's really not the idea of giver's gain and, and reciprocity. It's not expecting a return is the key, and that's easier said than done. I've been on both sides of that, and uh, I can appreciate where there are times where you think you're doing that, uh, but in the back of your mind, you're still looking for that. You're still looking for that return, you know. And I think that that's something you have to grow and mature into. And have enough experiences where you do provide value and get nothing in return, and it's fine, you know. And, and you find that the process of uh, being the type of person that's dependable and available to other people is meaningful, you know. And we were talking before we started recording here that could never work for somebody again. And I think a lot of what you're talking about applies to that because you're stifled in a lot of circumstances and a lot of quote jobs from being able to express those values, especially within maybe your industry. I think for, for folks like me, like we work with people we and you work with companies and people, uh, but our, our service, our product is the person, you know, so I'm, I'm working on the physical body of a person who is living their life and wanting to do better with their health. If you approach those types of scenarios, like if I'm making recommendations for someone's course of care based on the fact that I need to pay my rent or, you know, this, that I want a piece of equipment that I don't have, or those types of things, that always doesn't work out, you know. So when you take all that out of the equation, you know, put your caring hat on and just focus on how do I meet the needs of this person, you know, understanding that there's a ripple effect to each person's life. And if you make a positive influence in someone's life, that's going to extend beyond even what you can appreciate. So the seeds that you're talking about sowing, I mean, the thing is, you never see the full benefit of those efforts. And that's kind of the point. But you're putting something in motion that will... I don't want to say perpetuate, but that will have a continual impact over time. So what in the world is an ethical hacker or a professional hacker? And how did you find yourself in this very interesting niche? So a uh, certified ethical hacker is a certification from the EC council. Uh, it's an exam. Uh, it costs about $900 to attempt. Uh, you have to be authorized to take the test. So you have to have a history of working in the field for several years. Um, before you're allowed to take the exam. So I got the authorization to take it, paid my 900 bucks, and I was highly motivated to pass that test the first time, and I did. Um, so uh, there's a lot of other certifications I could have gone after. I have about 13, 15 or so certifications. The reason I chose Certified Ethical Hacker is because the, the people that I deal with are, um, are professionals in other professions. So these are very intelligent people, um, but... IT and cybersecurity are not what they are. That's not their profession, so they don't know a whole lot about that. When they see certified ethical hacker on my shirt, it, it opens up a conversation, and, and that's what I want to bring in. So uh, a hacker is somebody with um, a very high level of computer expertise, plain and simple. Now, how you decide to use that expertise is what makes a hacker a criminal or a hacker that's somebody ethical. So for me, um, I study all of the evil things a hacker can do, uh, pretty much walk into any business and destroy it if that's what I chose to do. But prison is not something that is uh, enticing to me. Um, you know, I have a family that I like to be around, and um, so there's, there's nothing interesting to me about taking somebody's stuff or destroying a business. But uh, having the knowledge to do that, I can use it to protect people, and, and that's what I do uh, in my profession a lot of engineers have a easier time communicating with machines than with people. So one of my strategic advantages is being able to be very human and you know break down uh, very technical concepts to people who are not in my profession to make it easier for them to understand. Uh, I don't sell because I don't have to. 
if I'm the subject matter expert in the room and I can help you understand the threat and help you understand um, that the risk isn't just to your business, but everybody who does business with you, and I can help you understand what the threats look like and how you're exposed to them, uh, you'll, you will organically ask me, Rodney, can you help me? i like, sure, let's have a conversation. Let's set up an appointment. But I never have to go in with the sell in mind. Uh, one of the things I tell people when, when doing business is uh, not to focus on the money. Uh, if you're the best, the money will come. Uh, if you chase money, you'll always be chasing money. So money is never the end-all, be-all. And, you know, while I'm really good at my, my business and, and running it, I'm always improving. Uh, I'm always learning. I'm always making new connections to, to figure out how to stay ahead of the next cyber attack. Um, but I also use everything that I've earned to, to give to my community. So um, instead of me doing all the work, now I'm able to create jobs, and I'm a job creator. Um, my uh, workforce is 100% veteran right now. Got a uh, Air Force, Army, and uh, Navy vet, and then I'm Air Force. So there's four of us total um, looking to get more. Um, but now I'm able to not have to do all the work, and I can be here with you having a podcast. Um, I can be working in something in Rotary. Uh, I can be part of the Chambers of Commerce here in town. It increases my ability to give more if my business is good. So you know, I, I really enjoy that part of everything that I do. At what point did cybersecurity hit your radar and, and become the kind of thing that you saw an opportunity in as far as creating a business? Because I think it's a topic of conversation lately. It's not a new problem, I'd imagine. It's, it's probably been around as long as there has been the Internet. But I think lately it's become a bit of a buzzword, and I think there's probably a lot of misconceptions about what exactly we're talking about when it comes to cybersecurity. I think most people probably think of having their credit cards stolen at Home Depot and these types of things, but uh, could you maybe paint a picture of some of the evolving threats or the types of things that you're specifically talking about when it comes to threats? So the credit cards are part of it. Uh, PCI DSS is a, a regulation that governs how you're supposed to process credit cards. Uh, if you're one of the people that's um, swiping credit cards that have the chip on them, you're wrong. You, you should stop doing that. You should invest in the chip reader and, and use that instead. Uh, the chip reader technology is a lot more secure than the swiping. I mean, it's still vulnerable, but it's way more secure. Um, the, uh, the banks are actually uh, reversing transactions of people who are swiping chip cards. So those merchants are uh, you know, looking at chargebacks. Um, just out of the blue because that banking institution that had that card with the chip on it was like, you know, this looks like fraud. You should be dipping the chip. Um, that's what they call that. Um, but the credit cards are just just one piece. They're, we're in the 21st century now, and there's a lot of technology coming out uh, without security in mind. And uh, people, uh, especially folks with businesses, um, don't really think about the vulnerabilities that are part of doing their business. Um, they're okay going to the local electronic store and buying, you know, a router off the shelf and getting, you know, quick antiviruses and, and throwing it on the computer real quick. You know, there's a difference between uh, IT support and cybersecurity. The best solution is to have a company that, that is fluent in both. So my involvement, uh, I've been in computers since I was a young buck, like single, single age. And at around 12 years old, I got on the Internet. It was 1992. At 12 years old, I got on the Internet, and I looked at how much people get paid that know this profession. And I liked the salaries that I saw. And I was like, dude, I already love doing this. I do this for free anyway. So why not you know, start a career that is my passion that I like doing anyway? So I, uh, from 12 years old, I decided to make this a career. I was also a musician, so I'm, I'm also part creative. Um, so right now I still sing a lot. I just got through singing the national anthem at the Rotary Zone Institute in Denver over the weekend. Um, but I played all kinds of instruments when I was younger. I was youth minister of music growing up. And I think that as far as my ability in cyber and to be able to think outside the box as a creative is a strength for me. Um, cause I don't really operate inside the box. I know what's in the box, but I'm like, dude, somebody's going to get me in a different way. How can I be creative to find the threat vector? Uh, to guard my clients against. So that has been a very strong uh, advantage for the company. Um, 
at 18 years old after I graduated from high school. My first professional job was doing Y2K compliance for Lotus Notes for Emory Healthcare in Atlanta. Um, so, you know, when I go to UCCS and I talk to uh, the kids in the, the Bachelor of Innovation program and I talk about Y2K, some of them are like, what's the Y2K? I was like, oh, my God, 39 years old, man, really? Jeez. So I tell them about it and they think it's funny. Um, but nothing happened after that and uh, ended up going into the military um, at 21. September 11th was my fifth week of basic training. I didn't go in an IT field. I wanted to, but the military had different plans for me. Uh, so I was electrical power production and aircraft arresting systems. Uh, I was in Saudi Arabia for the shock and awe campaign. I ran the world's largest mobile power plant that powered the airfield that all the soldiers took off from the bomb Baghdad. So that was pretty interesting. I used my passion for IT to change a job that wasn't really IT related. So I was a civil engineer in the Air Force. So those are the, the folks that were in there were building trucks and hunting and like computers isn't what they did. So that's what I did. So I wrote computer programs um, to help advance um, how they did the job. Got a lot of love for it. My nickname in the Air Force was the Black Bill Gates. Yeah. So um, met my wife in the Air Force. I did the honor guard in the Air Force. And I got out. And as I was working on my career as a civilian, uh, it led me to um, Fort Huachuca, Network Enterprise Technology Command, where I was responsible for the cyber well-being of a large portion of our country. Through that, I got to see the cyber war up close. So I know that you know we are under attack by a lot of different countries in a lot of different places. Um, they're not just attacking our government, but they're attacking our small businesses as well. When I was in Tucson, Arizona, I had a really good gig, um, and then my wife got orders to Key West. So I got a job offer from, actually I got a, a bonus offer from my employer to have my family leave and go to Key West without me and stay in Tucson and keep working the project because I was doing so well on it. So I turned that down because all money ain't good money. You know, you don't put money before your family. So I got on USA Jobs. I applied for um, the only job I saw in Key West, which was a GS-13 for the National Weather Service as their IT director. Going into the GS system, there's uh, 15 levels, and then there's a you know, super executive person after that. But 13, 14, 15 GS are your leadership. And typically when you go in that system, you don't start out there. So I applied for the 13 um, with my resume online. I got considered to be one of the finalists. So they gave me a phone interview on a Tuesday. They offered me the job that Thursday. I got it. GS-13. So it was 86575 a year. And 23 days after they gave me the job, they rescinded the offer because the first government shutdown under President Obama was going on. So they lost the funding for the job. So I was devastated because I was like, man, we're going to get a boat, get a house. We're going to live it up so good in Key West. So I was upset. Um, get to Key West, my next job offer was like $11 an hour for their local paper, for like four pages worth of IT responsibilities. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I know how to do too much stuff. So I pouted about it for a little while, but then empowered myself to incorporate a new business and join the Key West Chamber of Commerce. And that was eight years ago, Dr. John, and I haven't looked back. Um, so in Key West, the locals are called conks. Uh, after the conch shell, the, it's very delicious food. I miss my conch salads. Um, but as an outsider, I wasn't supposed to be successful there because I was from the outside. But I, I got involved in the community very deep, um, became a Rotarian in Key West. Um, uh, big shout out to the Rotary Club of Key West. Um, so through that, uh, I was able to meet a lot of people. I ran a Caribbean festival called Goombe um, for three out of the four years I was there. So that gave me a lot of visibility in the community and I got a commendation from the city of Key West before leaving, and then my wife gets orders here. So I get here, and this place is a lot bigger, and I didn't know anybody, so I'm having to start over again. I had to decide, do I keep my business in Key West and try to do something here? Do I give up and go work for somebody, which made me physically ill at the thought? So um, I had one of my uh, competitors offer me a pretty good salary to work for him uh, when I moved out here, and I was like... I, I chose to take a chance on myself because I reflected on what I did in Key West and um, it worked. I just want to uh, make mention here as we're going that Ronnie's a family man first here. We took a short break so that he could attend to his beautiful little son Isaiah, do a quick diaper change, so super dad. 
uh, bonus points for that. Uh, but as we were just talking, you know, and on this break here, Rodney, I was thinking about the fact that as a small business, you probably run into a lot of people who say, I'm really not big enough to be threatened. You know, no hacker's going to want to come after my information. I'm too small for this to be relevant to my scale of business. So how do you respond to that? And is that, in fact, the truth? Or are there vulnerabilities for, let's say, companies that are less than 50 employees, which would be most small and sort of medium-sized businesses, at least in Colorado Springs? So that is a very dangerous myth. You are vulnerable to cyber attack, and the hackers do want to compromise you. What I tell people is that um, the the hackers are not. It's not always about you. Um, a lot of times, the uh, the cyber criminals can use your unprotected computer systems to launch attacks against other people. So you know, let's take you know the the healthcare industry for example. There's a lot of different uh, types of businesses within that industry. Um, you have your small private practice, um, family practice clinic. Uh, the hackers are trying to break into the larger EHR record systems. Those systems tend to be fairly secured. Uh, so what's the next best way to get into them? I'll go through the private practice that has no antivirus, has no you know computer security on their computer. They have no network security on their network. They have a Comcast cable modem with the default username and password on it. So from there, they can use your computer to access um, other entities. Um, a lot of people talk about, you know, Rodney, no, our, we don't have any data on our computers. We, we use everything in the cloud. Okay, so do you use computers in your business to access that cloud? Yeah. All right, well, if I compromise your computer, guess who owns your cloud? I do. So, you know, we see that in the, the real estate industry. They have a very large database um, that a lot of independent realtors use their own personal computers to access. Those computers have no security on them most of the time. So if there's a keylogger, <laughs> there's a keylogger, um, which is a type of virus that records your keystrokes. Even if you go to a secure site, you're still typing in the username and password on a keyboard. So it records all that stuff. It sends it to a nefarious third party. Um, now I log in to your secure site with your credentials. It doesn't even look like a hack. It's just I'm using your computer to get in because your computer is vulnerable. There's a lot of attack vectors, even people with a lot of... Uh, you know, security stuff on their network. You know, it might be hard for a hacker to get in from the outside, but all they have to do is send an email. The email is going to go through your firewall and end up in your inbox. So what do you do with that email that looks like it comes from your wife, right? Do you know it came from your wife? Has her name. But if you look at the email address, it says, you know, joebagadonuts at gmail.com. Like, that's not her email address. But the name says it. So you end up opening the attachment like, hey, babe, you know, I need this. You know, go ahead and, you know, open this attachment and check this thing out. So you open it and nothing happens, but something did happen. A program got launched on your computer that is going across your entire network to infect all the rest of the computers. Um, there is a company here in town um, that I just found out recently. It's in a similar profession to yours that uh, just got hit with a ransomware attack. Didn't have any really good IT support, um, any IT support at all, really. So now after the fact, they're trying to save the business. But now it hurts because now within 30 days, they need to notify the state. They have to notify all their clients. They have to provide them with identity theft protection. They have to fix their data. So what happens is a lot of companies either make no investment in IT and cyber or they make the cheapest investment possible instead of uh, thoroughly vetting the company that they're using and making sure that they have not only the IT expertise, but the cybersecurity expertise to take care of both of those things at the same time. So your IT guy or gal will be somebody that can hook all your computers up and make sure they share files and share your printer. Um, the cybersecurity um, knowledge will help that IT person know that all the firmware on those computers need to be updated. The firmware on the printers need to be updated or else it leaves a vulnerability that could, you know, access, a hacker could access the security cameras in your business through your printer by not updating the software in the printer. You know, I had a lot of people ask me, Rodney, can you just come in one time and just set us up? Just one time. And that's it. And we just call you when we need you. No, can't do that. Now, there are cheaper IT providers that will probably do that for you. Uh, we're not one of them because uh, the cyber threat doesn't sleep. It's not a one-time fix. Like, as soon as I leave, after I set you up, 
it might not be enough. Um, they may get you the next day because you're, you're not going to go in and make sure that your firewall is up to date. You're not going to go in and make sure that your firmware is up to date. You're not going to check all your updates and all that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's better to outsource things that you aren't good at. I don't do my own taxes for a reason. That ain't what I'm good at. I don't do my own bookkeeping for a reason. That's, that's not what I'm good at. I outsource that to somebody else that's better at that than I am. So if everybody uh, drives in their lane <laughs> and seeks help in things that they don't understand, then not only do we uh, give uh, economic boost to our community's businesses, but we're, we also thrive a lot better and we're a lot more secure. Um, one of the other issues that kind of um, people don't really understand is with the business owners, they think it's just their business that's at risk. So a lot of them are willing to just suck it up and say, like, you know, I hope it doesn't happen to me. I'm telling you right now, hope is a bad cybersecurity strategy. Don't use it. It's going to let you down every time. Uh, but they think it's just them that's going to be affected. They fail to realize that all those records on those people in our community that you have in your systems is also vulnerable. So if you get hit with a cyber attack, you're hurting a lot of other people other than you. And when that happens, those people may be upset with you because you did that and you weren't protecting their data. So guess what comes after that? Class action. They're going to because they're going to find out it was you that was the source of the breach. It's not hard to find that out. So then they will come after you for that. And uh, a lot of companies don't have uh, cyber liability insurance, which, which helps kind of soften the blow of a cyber attack. Um, but if you have proper IT management with people that understand cybersecurity, like ask, ask those IT support people if um, they have a certified ethical hacker on staff. Ask them, do you have a certified chief information security officer on staff? Look up those certifications that worthy and well-qualified IT people have because there are people out there doing IT businesses that have no certs. And there's a big retail chain with an IT department that doesn't really care about certs. I'm going to call them out, but you know, people know who they are. But there's a lot of companies out there that do that. Read your contracts also. Um, a lot of companies will, you know, the no like and trust thing I was telling you about. So you'll have somebody that's a very good talker and they'll sell you into a contract. But if you don't read it, you won't know that it's a three-year contract that you got to pay your total way out of it if you want to quit early. Um, I've seen IT contracts where the IT provider will resell like Office 365. So I I like to give my clients their own Office 365 that they own. So if something happens to me or they don't like me no more, they can keep it. It's theirs. But there's IT providers that will resell it to you. So if you end up leaving their company, then they take your email. Um, um, I've seen a, a setup with an accounting firm out here where they purchased the server, but there's a, a virtualization platform on the server that has all their data on it that they don't own. So if they left the IT provider, they keep the server, but the company will take all the software, which is pretty much all their data and everything that they need. Um, and they didn't know that because they didn't read the contract. If you ask your IT provider what your passwords are for your systems, they should give it to you. Um, it should never be a reason of like, no, no, they shouldn't never say no to you because at the end of the day, we are stewards of your business. We don't own your business. I could care less about your data. I just want to make sure that if you lose it, we can get it back. Um, and that's another thing. The, the technology that industries like mine uh, employ to provide services to clients is very powerful. Um, hackers use it to destroy businesses. We have access to everything, all of your stuff, all your network information, all your data, all that stuff. So you need to make sure that you trust these people and you know them and you vet them before you let them have complete control of your business to protect you. Um, a lot of them don't know what they're doing and you don't find that out till it's too late. So trust the ones that are out in front and you know making community impact and are certified and worthy and well qualified. Give those ones a chance. It may not be the cheapest, but you need to make the investment in it because a lot of that, uh, a lot of those funds are going to help make your community better. I think it just highlights the point that in a increasingly modernized technological society and way of doing business, you know, there's all these resources and platforms to help you be more efficient in your business. And it's all technological uh, based in technology, whether it's your CRM or whatever else that you've got in place to make you better at running your business. This is just the way we do things in 2019 and beyond. And this is not a problem. As you're talking about this and it's, 
you know, I'm sure there are people listening thinking, my God, I had no idea that it was this bad. You know, there's these many ways that you could be affected coming through the printer and all these types of things. This isn't a problem that's going to go away, I guess is the point. And, and like you were saying, the threats are always going to be one step ahead of the strategies that are working, which makes sense that this is a process that evolves over time as your business evolves and as just the trends and the threats and the emerging threats evolve. Um, so it's the kind of thing that's it's a little bit scary. Uh, you know, you probably should be you know a little bit scared uh, to the point that'll move you in the direction of actions. You know, because like you said, at the end of the day, that ripple effect that we talked about for for positive, you know, works in reverse too. So if you're if you're the guy who ends up, you know, uh, getting breached and people's data and their security is compromised because of their interaction with you, whether or not you did great business with them, whether or not they had an amazing customer service experience it's hard to make up for the liability of the breach. So with all that in mind, I think, I think the point being, if you are, if you are a small business owner, you are someone that is in a position of control in this space for your company. Um, I think it's worth consulting with the experts. I mean, that's why Roddy and these guys are, are making such an effort to be in the community and to create awareness. I would have not known about any of this, had I not met you at a chamber event or wherever, because you've made an effort to be out in the community. So I want to acknowledge you for that because otherwise, um, you know, it's easy to bury your head in the sand and just assume that it's somebody else's problem that affects other types of businesses. Uh, and I'm sure that a big part of what you do is education because all the stuff you're talking about, it's common knowledge for you. It's easy stuff. I mean, this is probably the very surface level of the topic, but for the average small business owner like myself, it's a whole new world. It's a whole new language. It's a different way of thinking about things, and it's not something that I want to think about. It's not something I want to deal with. So I like what you said about staying in your lane, because particular to healthcare, we're dealing with people's protected health information. If you're in financial services, you're talking with people about their money, and a lot of the conversations that we're having are things that you know their family doesn't know about, right? We've got data on these people that no one else is privy to, and uh, to think that it's that vulnerable is it is frightening. I want to kind of talk a little bit more about your particular business and where you see this thing going. I know you've probably got a vision for what you want Firma IT Solutions to mean, you know, what you want that brand to stand for in the community. What's your big vision? What's the full scale? Like, what are you guys working towards with this business? Is it community and local based and a, a continued impact there? Or are you thinking in terms of uh, expansion, you know, franchising, all these kind of things? What's, what's the big picture and, and where you guys are moving? So uh, when I started my business, I wanted to focus on um, small businesses, that, that 50, 50 and under group. Um, so far, we haven't had any companies that are too big for us. But I wanted to focus on the private sector because after seeing the, the cyber warfare up close, I am very confident that our federal government is, is going to figure it out. They'll be okay. We got CyberWorks at the Air Force Academy. We got SecureSet Academy here. We've got... Uh, branches in the military, like certain jobs that are cybersecurity related. So they, they have taxpayer dollars to throw at this problem. Um, your accountant and your medical professionals and your dentists and all them people, they do not have taxpayer dollars to throw at this. So they, you know, they are incredibly exposed to it. So I want to make us the, the, the premier provider of managed IT and cybersecurity services. Um, because the people that we employ, um, especially myself, um, we are committed to being the best in this profession. And there are a lot of people calling themselves cybersecurity that have no cybersecurity certifications or <laughs> cybersecurity certified people on staff. Um, but the, the people don't know the difference. They just like, they hear cyber and they're like, oh, you do cyber? Okay, I think I know what that means. Yeah, come help me. But you have no idea these people, that, that's not what they're doing. So I like the fact that we have all veterans working for us. Um, that wasn't on purpose, but I'm, I'm still very proud of that as a fact that, that we've been able to do that. Um, you know, the fact that we've been able to give so much to the community um, has blessed us with a lot of awards and recognition. It's given us a lot of visibility um, to keep doing the work that we're doing uh, and doing it better and providing more services to people. Um, we're expanding into restaurants. Uh, Oscar Blues is one of our latest clients. Uh, big ups to, uh, to Jen, my homie Jen. The, the latest thing we've did is start uh, going into government contracting. 
uh, since the birth of my little boy here, I wanted to, I wanted to explore it and see what, you know, I, I have friends that have gone into government contracting and after about 10 years, they retired, they're done, you know, cause they've, they've made, you know, enough. <laughs> so, you know, there's a way for me to accelerate, um, the growth of the company to be able to create more jobs for people. Like you were talking about with your business, like you're able to, um, help support CASA with the clients that come in and get business from you. So people that do business through my company, like I'm supporting all kinds of stuff, you know, Rotary, Women's Chamber, Chamber EC, like every, everything I have time to do is because I've got the means to do it from business. So, you know, I'm looking forward to doing, you know, even more. Like I'd love to be like, you know, uh, you know, platinum sponsor or some event, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, Ronnie was able to drop like $10,000 on the table. Like, dude, like, and it, and it helped what? You know, help get homeless people off the street? You know, help, you know, um, batter women and children? Like, you know, not have to be battered women and children anymore? Uh, I, I like that. I want to be a part of that. And, you know, if money is something that helps make that happen, I want to be able to do that. So that's where, that's where we're going. Um, I, I just focus on being the best. I focus on excellence. And everything else seems to come behind it like a big wave. And our community is safer because of it. Yeah, sometimes the business owners don't understand the threat. So I try to get them to understand that a lot of other people are going to get hurt if they get compromised. Um, but even that sometimes doesn't get the point across. So now I'm trying to educate consumers on the businesses that they work with. Uh, you know, if you go to, you know, an accounting firm and you go to their website and it doesn't have the HTTPS on it, you might not want to do business with that accounting firm. Because if their website's not secure, I guarantee you everything else under it is not secure. I'm trying to tell um, consumers that they have a right to ask uh, their accountant or their lawyers or their chiropractors or anybody that manages their personal information, hey, how are you protecting my information? And you don't have to be technical to understand the response. If you don't get the warm and fuzzies, and you know what warm and fuzzies feel like, if you don't get the warm and fuzzies when you ask that of a business you're working with, you might want to think about taking it elsewhere. Because the company that is investing, they're investing. So they know what they're getting, and they can come back and tell you, oh, yeah, we've got encryption, got like five layers of encryption, and, you know, we change our passwords like every 90 days, and, you know, Bronco 7 is not a password on any of our computers, and, you know, like yeah, you know, um, we've got different Wi-Fi, you know, one for you and one for our business. And, you know, we, we, we make sure we're on point. We are doing everything we can to protect your data. Um, those are the businesses that people should be working with. But there's a lot of companies that don't do it, and they don't do it because consumers aren't demanding it. So I'm thinking that if consumers demand security, then businesses will have no choice but to do it. Man, I've got some horror stories for you, Dr. John. I've been to a law firm here in town they have a firewall nice one that hasn't been updated since 2012 you know they had network equipment that was beige you know you, you know how long ago like you know technology was beige in color <laughs> like dude, that's that's what they were working with like their whole network was slow and you know asked them if they had any backups they're like no it was like like man like you have a lot of people's information in here like it's a big firm so um so I sent them their proposal, and they're like, you know, we're 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 not interested. I'm like, you know, you, uh, I feel really bad for your clients because the clients don't know that you you're exposing all their data. I had another law firm, excuse me, here in town that has um, Kaspersky antivirus all over their computers. Now Kaspersky is a Russian-owned cybersecurity company, so it has been proven that that software had some some back doors in it for you know bad bad stuff. Uh, our government doesn't mess with Kaspersky anymore, but this law firm has Kaspersky on all their machines. Their routers and their network equipment was in the room with the water heater hanging off the wall by the cables, and they weren't worried about protecting their data. Um, I've been told that, you know, we haven't been breached in like 10 to 15 years. You know, we don't see a need for cybersecurity or invest in it. Like, you know, the threat has evolved in 10 to 15 years, a lot more dangerous out there. Um, a lot of the um, data compromise situation that you hear about aren't always ransomware. I mean, ransomware you hear about. You come into work, you can't work because they're asking for, you know, cryptocurrency to get your data back. But a lot of these viruses just sit in your computer. They just sit there and pull information out of your machine for months and you don't even know. 
Um, but if you have managed IT support and cyber, then those people will be able to see it and be able to protect you from those things. And it's a lot more affordable than you think, um, especially for nonprofits. I mean, there's a lot of nonprofits here in this town that are doing amazing work that are so exposed. When they get breached, it's going to be a huge loss to our community. And, you know, some of those folks are investing in IT support. Some of them are not. They're just risking it. They're risking your kids' information. Oh, man, charter schools. You know, a lot of charter schools have to figure out their own IT. So, you know, they're buying computers for the teachers. They're buying Chromebooks for the kids. But they're not securing, securing any of the data. So, you know, they're asking. There was a, a charter school here in town that was opening up. They had a uh, the registration packet that wanted the kids' social, copy their birth certificate, um, you know, financial information for a reduced meal plan, um, you know, emergency contacts. These are two other poor souls that are going into this book. Um, so you, you fill out all that information, and they want you to send it to their Yahoo account, the school's Yahoo account. So a little thing about Yahoo, <laughs> they've been breached at least twice that we know of. Uh, there's nothing secure about the platform. Um, and, you know, free email is just bad for business anyway. So as a uh, cybersecurity consultant with the Colorado SBDC network, um, I wrote a class called Cybersecurity Simplified, What Your Small Business Needs to Know. And I travel and teach this to professionals. Um, and you'd be surprised how many people are in the class. There should be a lot more people in the class. But that's how, you know, you said folks heard the buzzword cyber, but they don't really understand what it is. And they don't think it's going to affect them. But it's, it affects all of us. If you have a computer in your business, it affects you. If you're a one-person psychotherapist with one computer, you got to be HIPAA compliant. So it affects you. Um, you can't go to a local electronics store with Windows 10 Home Edition. Home Edition is not for business. It's for home. You should be using the Pro. Like Things like that people don't know. And there are IT providers out there that will let you put yourself at risk just so they can take your money every month. Uh, I've seen those as well. So I'm just trying to save our community one computer at a time, Dr. John. Well, that's a big vision. I mean, I think uh, there there's probably nobody, I mean, certainly nobody that's listening to this podcast who's not affected by that. Um, I want to start to wrap up, and then I'm going to make sure to link in the show notes to all those things that you mentioned, um, not just your information for how to get in touch with your business, to follow you on social and all that kind of thing, but to the uh, Small Business Development Center class that you mentioned. That way folks have access to that information because there may be folks that aren't in Colorado Springs that hear this and are curious about where they can get access to some of these resources if they can't meet you in person. Um, and, and we've talked a lot about the community, but the, you know, the, the obvious ripple effect is beyond Colorado Springs community as well. But with, with all the things that you have going on, I mean, between family life and your business and your community involvement, all these different things you got going on, how do you take care of yourself? And how do you fill your cup and make sure that on a day-by-day basis you're putting yourself in a position to serve people because you're not wore out, burnout, out, all these types of things? Do you have practices or routines, things that you do to, to stay passionate and engaged and involved? Spending time with family is rejuvenating. Um, I try to keep my weekends for family. I play a lot of Mortal Kombat on the PlayStation 4. <laughs> it's tournament time. So, you know, um, at the end of a rough day, you know, of, of thinking strategically and, you know, um, being on my feet, I, I go back and sit down and talk smack somebody online and just tear them up with my Scorpion or Sub-Zero. You know, that's, that's what I do. Um, pretty pretty good with those two. Um, been playing Mortal Kombat since most of those like probably longer than most of those kids have been alive. You know, I like music. Uh, I like reading. I do a lot of, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of knowledge in books. So uh, right now I'm in the middle of John Maxwell's Leader Shift. Uh, it's, it's very good. One of the things that um, stands out in my mind right now is, um, you know, when you're when you're really visible and you're doing a lot of, um, you know, groundbreaking work and trying to be, a sphere of influence in the community, you're going to have haters, man. You're going to have people that come after you. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not exempt. <laughs> not everybody likes what I'm doing. So John Maxwell said, um, it's called his 25-50-25 rule. So he's like 25% of the people that you're engaged with don't really care for you. They're your haters. Doesn't matter how 
good of a leader you are, you, you can't lead these people. They, they, they're going to talk about you. They're going to put you down. They're going to say all kinds of bad stuff about you. And 50% of people don't know what to think about you. And then 25% of people are your biggest fans. So spend your time on that 25 that support you, that circle that you have that you know is encouraging you and, and filling your cup, that 50% that doesn't know how to think about you, they'll come around. They'll think pretty good about you. And that 25 that's talking smack and, 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 and being useless with you, they're so far in your rearview mirror, they don't matter. Don't worry about that. Don't put no time into them. Don't try to convince them. Just let them go. Let them be mad and you focus on what you're supposed to do. Uh, I had the fortunate pleasure of going through um, Colorado Springs Leadership Institute uh, earlier this year at the Center for Creative Leadership. And through that program, um, I found out a lot of things about myself. Um, you know, I usually just try to create positive impact. I just do things. And I'm not really sure how the people are responding to it. I mean, I, I have a little idea, but I, I didn't really have like a big, broad sense of, you know, how people like what I'm doing. So uh, through that program, I got a chance to see that. So it gave me a lot of validation, gave me some insight into some things that I can improve on, gave me an awesome new set of alumni friends. So, um, you know, shout out to my CSLI people. I've been blessed since I've been here. And, you know, I like to grill and I like to sing and I like to hang out and watch, you know, binge on Netflix. You know, Game of Thrones was great. Sad it's over. Got to find something else new to watch. Um, but I, I definitely have ways to to let my mind just kind of relax. Uh, today was a very intense day. So, you know, after I'm done with the Attorney General this evening, I'm going to go home and I'm going to relax. I'm gonna cut the phone off and just chill and just enjoy the rest of the evening. Well, count me in the 25%. That's a fan. I appreciate what you're doing. And thanks for uh, being generous with your time this afternoon and for bringing Isaiah along for the ride. I don't know if he got any of his word in edgewise on that, if that got picked up. But we appreciate you. And uh, I want to get a quick, just a quick rapid fire. Give me an idea of your Colorado Springs experience. I've come to learn that the Colorado Springs community means different things to different people. So I'm interested in what your Colorado Springs experience entails. Do you have uh, a favorite Colorado Springs establishment somewhere you might take a meeting or have a lunch or go for a uh, you know happy hour have a good a good time. You know Colorado Springs is an interesting community. So having been in Key West for four years and coming here it was a difference between night and day. Um, I have noticed that uh, you know in Key West there's um, we have a lot of very powerful women there, and when women speak, um, you shut up and listen especially the powerful ones. So um, when I moved here, um, I noticed on several occasions while I was out networking that there would be a, a woman of stature, a woman of power speaking in a group of men. And those men would like kind of shun her a little bit. And I was like, man, did I get anybody else see that? And I've seen it enough times and noticed it was a pattern. It's a, it's a different community. So that's why I ended up joining the Women's Chamber and uh, the E-Women's Network uh, and aligning myself with those organizations because I, I have two daughters. And I want to raise them to be, you know, uh, very fierce, powerful women. And what better place for me to take them than to organizations that are jam-packed with professional, powerful women. Um, so I'm, I'm very attuned to all the BS that women have to deal with, from, you know, sexual harassment to um, inappropriate comments to, you know, got, not getting, you know, the same equal pay for equal work. Like, I want to be a part of any organization that's there to destroy that. I want to turn that whole system on its head. I don't like it. African-American population here is 6.9%-ish. Uh, so it's very small. I was born and raised in Atlanta, so it's, it's a lot different for me there. Um, I see it as an opportunity to, to build a community here, um, to expose people that hadn't been exposed, black people on a larger scale. Like, let's, let's get them exposed. Um, I've had people say to me, you know, Rodney, you speak so well. It's like, dude, like, am I the only one you know that speaks well? Like, that's that's terrible. Like, I, let me. There's so many others that are running businesses. You know, like you, I saw you had an interview with Frank. Like, man, have you met Frank? That's just one. You know, like, <laughs> um, you know, these. There, there's a lot of dialogue that needs to happen, and a lot of bridge building. And I like building bridges. Uh, I think um, I have a gift with people. I get along with pretty much most everybody. Um, a few people don't don't care for me very much, but um, I'm, a, I'm a good people person. So when it comes to building bridges through conversation and exposing people to things that they're not used to being exposed to, like I have a good way to do that. And, you know, if we can 
teach other people to be a part of those constructive conversations, um, this community can get a lot closer and will look a lot different. So you'll have organizations that are, you know, historically, you know, just old white guys, you know, have a bunch of young people and young women and a lot more diversity and inclusion than, you know, they have historically had because somebody needs to lead that charge. So I, I like surrounding myself with people that like to lead that charge. And Colorado Springs is, is a great, it's a great city. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity here. Um, small business is thriving here. I love the fact that cybersecurity is a buzzword. That helps me here. Um, I like going to Oscar Blues. It's one of my spots. Um, uh, English Dockside Grill. I like that place. Bird Dog Barbecue. I mean, I just, you know, there's a lot of other ones, but like, I don't know, Bird Dog is, I just like it. This is, this is really good. You know, I, I like that I, I don't have an office. So that's one thing. My office is in the cloud. And I think that this community is, is cool enough where I can take my office mobile and park anywhere and make it my office. I mean, Library 21C was my office for a while. Um, there was a, a restaurant in there called Her Story Cafe. Uh, owned by Liz Rosenbaum. She's uh, doing political stuff now. Uh, but I used to go in there and eat, stay in there all day and just work. Um, so I go set up shop in a lot of different places and just meet people, the Perk downtown, the Pikes Perk on North Academy. You know, I set up shop and meet people. Cause this whole place is a beautiful, it's a beautiful city with a bunch of beautiful people. If I can immerse myself in those people, then everything else comes to fruition. Um, you know, I don't build businesses, I build people. And when you focus on the people, the people will focus on you. And that's my word. Thank you so much for your time and attention on this episode of the Thrive for the Cause podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please share it with a friend and subscribe for more episodes in the future. I want to leave you with a quote by Dr. B.J. Palmer. You never know how far reaching something you do say or think today can affect the lives of millions tomorrow. I want you to know that you matter to Colorado Springs, so get out there and thrive for the cause.